Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast. This is your host, May Shayla, kicking it at you on this Thursday afternoon. So I'm kicking off this episode with, let's just say I'm going to recap what happened this past weekend in the both the AFC and the NFC Conference Championship Games, because I think I speak for everyone. The ending results was just, let's just say a massive shocker. Well, at least the AFC Championship Due to the fact that the results of the game of the AFC Championship was not what many people expected, except for, well, except for Bengal fans. But even some of them may have not expected that and expected their team to go as far as they went throughout this whole season. With all of this being said, Cincinnati won another thriller with another field goal kick. With the game ending with a Patrick Mahomes interception and well, Cincinnati's kicker kicking them to another round in the playoffs. For the first time, I believe, since it was 1988, the Bengals are advancing to the Super Bowl where they will be playing the Los Angeles Rams, who defeated the San Francisco 49ers. With all of this being said, let's talk about the game between the Chiefs and the Bengals because to me that was a way bigger headline than the Rams and the 49ers. Obviously, Cincinnati shocked everyone when they beat the Chiefs not once but twice this year. And now, we can all say, let's just face facts here. Bengals had a game plan that other teams did not have. And it benefited them. They beat the Chiefs in overtime, 27-24, to with McPherson's game-winning field goal 31 yards out from the end zone. Now, the question is, obviously, who won Cincinnati the game? McPherson, who caused the Chiefs the game and who stood out. Um, I got to go with Patrick Mahomes on this, but he's not alone. I got I to gotta blame the offensive coordinator as well because... You clearly did not have a wise game plan. One, you should have ran the football before you headed into halftime, except for, well, you either should have took the field goal, which a smart person would have done, or you should have ran the football because you were right there at the five-yard line. To me, that was the game, the momentum changer, because it gave Cincinnati momentum that, well, some will say they need it, but when you have an offense with, Joe Barrow, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, you know, Jamar Chase, Tyler Board. It's it's hard to say that they needed that momentum because if I'm not mistaken, they got the ball back the second half to begin yeah, to begin the second half. All of this being said, it's let's just give props to the Bengals where it's due. Because like I said, who when we came into this year who the hell had the Bengals going to the Super Bowl? Nobody. Not even Bengal fans. And yes, I know some Bengal fans, so I can tell you for a fact, no Bengal fans had them going to the Super Bowl. Obviously, that's what you will hope for for your team every year if you are a football fan, period. But it was clearly not expected. But you know what they say, expect the unexpected. And that's been the story of the 2021 Cincinnati Bengals. It has been. They shocked everybody. They beat everyone there was to beat. Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Kansas City, Raiders, you know, you name them, they beat them. Give, give credit where it's due. All of this being said, Patrick Mahomes is, you know, the main blame for that game. Because there's plays he could have called off and could have ran something differently. And then the game, you know, the interceptions hurt you, like your defense put you in position to win the game, you throw it right back to them, it's like, son, what you doing, you win the coin toss, You it's just, you deviated from what worked when you're in Kansas City, didn't even acknowledge, you know, Aguilar or any of your running backs, and you just tried to make it more of the Patrick Mahomes show than you should have. 
then you got to look at the Chiefs defense because let's remember, you were leading 21 to 3. It's just how in the blue hell did you let the Bengals just march down there with ease, I'm going to say, with ease and hand you 20 plus points unanswered? Kansas City has not had an answer. It wasn't the Chiefs that forced the overtime. It was the Bengals coming back that forced the overtime. Looking at that game, many of us seen this before with Kansas City. We thought the I thought the game was over with. I thought, you know what? I already see where this is going. It was a good season, Cincinnati. I was ready to wrap it up. That's what I was thinking off the top of my head. Gladly I didn't come out my mouth and say it because boy would have I been wrong. And I was wrong for thinking about it. I admit it. But I'm actually glad to be wrong because it's actually cool to see someone other than Kansas City finally in the Super Bowl. Because before then, it was the Patriots. It's like, come on, when the hell are we going to get someone in? So, our question and our request was answered this year. You know, I did have Kansas City beating, winning that game because they were at home. But I did have them losing to I did have them losing to either the 49ers or the Rams in the Super Bowl. I did have that as well. Obviously, they didn't make it. Kansas City, you know, is going to have some questions with safety Tyron Matthews being a free agent. Obviously, their offensive coordinator could be a great candidate for a head coaching job. If someone offers him one, he should. I would if I'm looking for a head coach because he's an awesome coordinator and, you know, he can improve your team tremendously, in my opinion. Now on to the Bengals. They're going to have a real tough test you know, in two weeks, in Super Bowl 56, I believe this is now, where they play in the Los Angeles Rams in L.A., which will be the second time that this has happened within the three-year expand. Last year, the Tampa Bay Bucks was able to host the Chiefs at home. Now, the Los Angeles Rams with Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., and many more are now going to be hosting the Cincinnati Bengals at home. Um, I don't have a 100%, you know, pick of who I'm picking to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, I'm not rooting for anybody for personal reasons, but, or personal preferences, but doesn't matter. Um, don't have a pick, but now that I pretty much summed up the AFC Championship game, let's move on to the NFC Championship game, because I think that's, you know, even though I felt the AFC Championship game was a better game due to the offensive performances within both teams from the Chiefs and the Bengals, I got to speak on the NFC Championship game because that was more of a defensive battle. And if you're a defensive person who, you know, someone who prefers to see great defenses compete other than great offenses, then the NFC Championship game was for you because whether it was Aaron Donald, Nick Boza, Jayla Ramsey, you know, whoever else. It was it was a great game back and forth. Who obviously won the game for the Rams? The Rams defense, no question. Everyone pretty much played their part. Um, Matthew Stafford got back to being himself in a good way, got back to being the guy that they did invest in two first rounds in a fourth four, and, you know, traded in, yeah, Obviously, it played out well for them because now they're hosting the Super Bowl instead of dreaming about the Super Bowl. And, well, they're here. One more game. They could be announced as the champions if they handle their business. Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Odell, Von Miller will all be winning. Well, Von Miller will be winning another ring, but everyone else mentioned already. This will be their first, which is a very cool feeling. Defeating the San Francisco 49ers. You know, with final minutes left in the fourth quarter, obviously was a massive. They did beat the 49ers 20-17 to with a game-stealing interception that Jimmy Garoppolo threw, which was honestly, to me, a real careless throw. And if you're a 49er fan, it's obvious, it's clear as day who's to blame on. It's on Kyle Shanahan, and it's on Jimmy Garoppolo. And here's why Kyle Shanahan got to take blame. Give me one of these final plays you had Debo Samuel involved. Depth's clear as day, that's your best offensive player. You did not have plays that draw up them to throw to George Kittle. 
you did not have plays that draw up to use Debo Samuels. He was clearly the biggest factor of why you even got that far to begin with. And the final moments you needed him to pretty much seal the game or to give you back the league or to change the momentum, you have him on the bench doing pretty much nothing. He was healed from a big hit that he took earlier, but he came back and made some bigger he made some big plays. Then you had Jimmy Garoppolo just being careless with the time of possession, with the football all, trying to draw tr- trying to draw the Rams off size. It was just a hot mess. It was more of the 49ers beating themselves because you had them where you wanted them, and you just gave them the freaking game. You just said, here, you are ready home. Let's just enjoy your Super Bowl trip home. Here you go. But you do got to give credit where the Rams is due because even if a team try to give you the game, here's the facts. You got to capitalize on the opportunities that is given to you, and they did just that. Everyone, this is not a, oh, who was a bigger factor because the Rams 100% played a team game. Matthew Stafford did everything he needed to do to win. Odell stepped up tremendously during that game. Cooper Cup obviously being his normal self. This is just, at this point, it's not a surprise. Anything great that that man does. To me, if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, he should be the league MVP due to the records he set, the season he has had, and where the L.A. Rams are and how much of a role he clearly plays in that. Van Jefferson, I think, made some great passes, you know, caught some great passes as well, putting them in position for touchdowns. Sonny Michelle, Cam Akers, these guys played a massive game. Then you got to speak on the defense. Aaron Donald truly did, even though T.J. Watts might pick the win defensive player of the year, but that game showed me why Aaron Donald's in that conversation outside of his statistics and what he has done throughout the 2021 season. I got to mention Von Miller because he was a great factor in that game as well. You know, you got to mention Eric Weddle. He made some big plays, and I think a lot of people are forgetting that they did bring him back out of retirement. He is there. He is existing. And boy, did he show his presence last game. Um, Jalen Ramsey, anything this guy do at this rate is not a surprise. When you're ranked where he's ranked, and by many, you're considered the best cornerback in football. And now he's, if I'm not mistaken, the highest paid. This is what they pay you for. This is why they rank you where they rank you for moments like this. Um, That... The t- let's just say these were some great games by both teams. Bengals 49ers shocked everyone for even getting this far. Bengals obviously took the underdog role to the heart, played their hearts out, beat the top teams, or beat everyone that pretty much was to beat divisionally and conference-wise. Then you've got the LA Rams who were favorites, if not, I'm not mistaken, behind the Green Bay Packers, the favorites to make it to the Super Bowl, and now they're here. That's going to be a, well, I'm not going to say it's going to be a great game because I actually got to analyze a lot more about those games, key matchups, things like that to determine how the game's going to turn out. Because it can be as bad as many think it's going to be for one side. It can be, you know, the best Super Bowl of all time. Or it can be another Super Bowl 48 result or another Super Bowl 55 result being we never know, but my predictions will be coming, obviously, next episode when I speak more about the Super Bowl. So, I'm going to take my break right now. I'll see you guys next segment. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Mike Bob Podcast. This is your host, May Shayla, kicking it back at you on this Thursday afternoon. So, we're now moving on to some major news that was announced Tuesday morning. Former New England Patriots quarterback and former and now former Tampa Bay's Buccaneers quarterback, Tom Brady has officially announced his retirement from the NFL 22 after playing in the league 22 seasons. Seven Super Bowl titles, five Super Bowl MVPs. Um, it's a career like no other. I'm going to start off by saying that Tom Brady, let's just say there was already speculation almost a week ago about him retiring due to 
the first breaking news story about it, even though Tom Brady, his agent, his father, and all his quote sources all came out and stated that there was no official decision on that yet, which, wow, was major. But now that the official story has been announced, confirmation pretty much from Tom Brady himself that it's true, we're now officially able to move on with celebrating another legendary career that was retired within two weeks. On Instagram, Tom Brady has stated, I have always believed in the sport of football is an all-in proposition. If 100% competitive commitment isn't there, you won't succeed. And success is what I love so much about our game. That's what Brady said in his statement on Instagram. And he continued on by saying, there is a physical, mental, and emotional challenge every single day that has allowed me to maximize my highest potential. I have tried my very best these past 22 years. There are no shortcuts to success on the football field or in life. This is difficult for me to write, but here it goes. I am not going to make the competitive commitment anymore. I have loved my NFL career, and now it's time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. I've done a lot of reflecting the past week and I've asked myself different questions. Am I so proud of what we have achieved? My teammates, coaches, fellow competitors, and fans deserve 100% of me. But right now, it's best I leave the field of play to the next generation of dedicated and committed athletes. Tom Brady at the age of 44 is easily considered the greatest NFL quarterback of all time. And it's no argument, he is. When you lead all-time lists in touchdown passes with 624 touchdowns with a 203 interception ratio, when you lead the all-time list with 84,520 yards, it's no question who's, that you're the greatest, you know? It's no question. And Tom Brady, you know, career ended with a 97.6 QBR rating. All of this while be, being a seven-time Super Bowl champion, like I've stated before, five-time Super Bowl MVP, and this is all came from a 2000 round six, you know, a six-round draft pick, 199 overall by the New England Patriots. Um, it's just crazy how a six-round draft pick can achieve so much greatness. And I know what a lot of teams in the 2000s, you know, were thinking. A lot of teams who still finding their quarterback to this day who has passed on this dude. Like, I just could tell you off the top of their head, they're like, well, what the hell were we thinking? Because we can, we don't have anybody who's better, even close to being as great as he is. Obviously, Pittsburgh, teams like the Steelers lucked out with Roethlisberger four years later. Um, Packers lucked out with Rodgers, you know, five years later, even though they did have Brett Favre at the time, so they didn't need to look at Tom Brady. Indianapolis is vice versa with Peyton Manning. But as for these other teams, who? Uh, I just hate to be them because it's like, especially if you're one of them still looking for a quarterback to this day, the pass on this guy and to watch him achieve so much, beating your team to do so. Yeah, it, it kind of hurts, but you know, to see greatness like this, to be able to sit down and tell your younger generation, um, your kids eventually, your grandkids eventually, if it gets that far, a story like no other. Coming out of University of Michigan in the sixth round, 199 overall draft pick is amazing. To becoming a Super Bowl champion three times before then it led to four, then it led to five, six, and here we are with seven. Bringing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back to relevancy, it just shows you how impactful Tom Brady's presence on and off the field can truly make 
not only on the football team, but an NFL franchise. Because from here on and out until like the Bucks start becoming garbage again, nobody's gonna look at the Tampa Bay Bucks like they did prior to Tom Brady's era after two thousand and you know, three's title run when they went on to be, I believe I believe it was the Oakland Raiders at that time, which who's now the Las Vegas Raiders. And I believe that was Super Bowl thirty eight. But yes, Tom Brady, greatest NFL player of all time. Now, he's not my favorite NFL player of all time. Everyone knows it's Troy Palomalo. Everyone knows my favorite all-time QB offensive player is Big Day. No question. But you got to give credit where it's due, and you got to give real here. And even they'll tell you he's the greatest. So it's not it's – not, you know, disrespect to anybody, but it's you got to think about where he came from and what he's done since, you know, he did not, you know, since he's gotten to the league. He did, he was not one of those who asked for a sob story. He was not one of those who, you know, rode the coattails of a Cinderella story. If anything, he wrote his own story in his way, in his style, by not being what I say he's another name who was not what people wanted him to be no matter how much they tried to paint him as this image of being that but this is actually an emotional moment for me because this is actually this is going to be a weird season because for the first time since I became a fan I'm going to be looking at the AFC conference where there's no Big Ben no Tom Brady no Peyton Manning, no Phillip Rivers. I'm going to be looking at the NFC Conference where there's no Drew Brees, no Brady, um, possibly no Rodgers. Still waiting for the news about that. Um, then you have, yeah, I think I pretty much nailed it with no Favre, no Brett Favre, none of these guys. None of these guys who were slinging the ball when, you know, when you were just a little kid sitting in your living room or sitting in your room, sitting on the floor or sitting on the couch or, you know, sitting in the middle of your bed or whatever, watching it. And it's just crazy how all of this got started. And it's now you're looking up, you think it's like, wow, they're leaving. But it was just yesterday I was just a kid watching them. And now... I'm sitting here as an adult watching him go. That tells it's it's like wow. Um, I'm getting old. You know they got old, but what in the world? I'm getting old because I was just a kid. I was just a teenager like it was yesterday. Now I'm sitting here as an adult and I'm watching them leave. And now I'm looking up. I'm seeing Justin Herberts. I'm seeing Joe Burrows. I'm seeing Lamar Jacksons. I'm seeing Baker Mayfields. Um, I'm seeing a lot, and it's going to be a lot more. Patrick Mahomes is what I'm seeing still. Um, it's nothing is the same. It's like, you know, nothing was ever the same. It's it's, it's going to be the story come 2022 20, season. It's actually going to be the most odd season that we've had in years. I think that the NFL has had since both Montana, Bradshaw, Marino, all of them walked away. It's just crazy how you had all these, what is arguably the greatest quarterback era in NFL history. You know, because like I said, you had Peyton, Tom, then that alone. Then you've got to throw Eli in the mix there. Then Phillip Rivers, you got to throw Drew Brees, you got to throw up in there, is these are guys who are, majority of the names mentioned right now, who are in the top 10, who have surpassed a lot of these quarterbacks from the previous generations that are now in the top 10 of the all-time list, you know, who are Super Bowl champions in their own right, who are all-time greats in their own right, and now you're not seeing any of them. Which brings me to 2027, because with him and Ben Roethlisberger both retiring within a week apart, Tom Brady officially making his retirement announcement Tuesday, making it official that this is it for him. He's out of here. He's not coming back. 
um, makes the conversation for the 2027 Pro Football Hall of Fame that is held every year in Canton, Ohio, even more interesting. Because there is a, there's no question that him and Ben Roethlisberger are both first ballot Hall of Famers with their resumes. It's just, there's no way in hell you're getting in. And this, and it's going to be an epic story to tell because this will be the first time, I believe, in years since two NFL quarterbacks from the same era are in the Hall of Fame. And obviously, I'm planning to be attendance because Ben's my all-time favorite QB. I was already bummed that I missed Troy's. I said, there's no way in hell I'm missing that one. Then, you know, just to hear Tom Brady's speech would be even, even more awesome because you just, you know, you can acknowledge the greatest player of all time, greatest quarterback of all time there. And then you can get, you know, to meet other Steeler greats. If you're me, you're a Steelers fan, and you meet other Patriot greats, other Buck greats as well. You can meet play, you can meet and greet players there and see them and things like that and just see an epic moment. Like to me, I'm calling it right now. Even though my guy Troy Palomalo announced his Hall of Fame speech to me, which would be so far the greatest Hall of Fame speech of all time because he defined everything that it was to be a Steeler in that Hall of Fame speech. And it was everything that you want a player to learn from playing for a franchise. But the greatest Hall of Fame ceremony of all time, it's going to be 2027. We get to hear Big Ben and Tom Brady. It's just, I don't know any other names that's going over both of them. It's just, I feel bad, honestly, for the other people who are going to be inducted around that time because it's like, everyone's either going to be coming to see one or they're going to see the other. And it's hard to overshadow quarterbacks who is achieved as they both are, especially Tom Brady. Like, come on now. You know, it's like hearing football's Michael Jordan, you know, have his Hall of Fame speech. And it's just, it's awesome. It's awesome. 2027. I think people say that, you know, Ben might not get in or one may not get in without the other because of the other, but. Honestly, they both, one of them could knock the other out, but I don't see it happening because, like I said, I don't know anybody else who's eligible who has not got in that's getting in over those two right there with those resumes. I mean, Tom Brady, seven Super Bowls, five MVPs, 10 Super Bowl appearances, leading the all-time list in touchdowns, completions, passing yards, etc. And then he's also the number one QB all-time in career wins. You cannot beat that. Then you got Big Ben, who 18 years straight, no loser record season. Three Super Bowls, two victories. Top five, top ten in passing yards, touchdowns, completions, etc. You know, breaking damn near, if not every Steelers QB record there was to break. Surpassing Terry Bradshaw, four-time Super Bowl champion, statistically as the great Steeler quarterback of all time. I think if he would have won two super two more Super Bowls like I felt he deserved to win, he would no question be the greatest Steeler quarterback of all time. But I'm not questioning it right now because we know we don't only base it off of statistics, we base it off of stats. Which is why Tom Brady's the greatest of all time, because his stats say it and so does his accolades. And with Ben in the two thousand and twenty Hall of two thousand and twenty seven Hall of Fame it's vice versa with Ben when it comes to the all-time greatest Steeler QB of all time. So you got to think about it, things like that. And it's like, okay, they both can't get in. Well, who do you know that can overshadow them? And who do you know besides them that can knock one another out? You can't give me that. No question. So 2027 Hall of Fame will be a, a Hall of Fame ceremony. I would definitely love to attend because because the prestige, the opportunity, the exposure, you know, and it's in a rarity. You can watch all-time greats from one era, you know, and they're, let's just say, proclaim their rightful place in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
But more of the story, shout out to Tom Brady, man. Um, awesome, awesome ass career. Bomb ass career. Thank you for all the memories. Thank you for helping making my childhood so awesome because when I wasn't when I wasn't able to root for Ben, I was rooting for him. Um and fun fact here is Tom Brady's actually my second favorite quarterback of all time. So yes, this hits home just as almost as much as it hits home with Ben. But this guy there would never be another Tom Brady. Player-wise, accolade-wise, there would never be another story that would be written like his because from where he started to where he's at now to how he was looked before to how he was looked now, if you want to know a career story that will look at the haters and be like, how you like me now, Tom Brady's career defined just that, you know? He showed you that not all great QBs come in the first round, that you that it's okay to be a diamond in the rock, you know? It's okay to be to come in as the underdog because eventually they're you're gonna be so great that they can't ignore you. And Tom Brady has done exactly that to everyone and shown everyone, you know, the value of being picked in the NFL draft no matter what round you come, where you come from, who they thought you were, because the only thing that can define who you are and what you are is what is is you yourself and what you do within yourself, you know, and with yourself. Tom Brady's career just it defined that. It defined that because nobody looked at him like that, you know, nobody acknowledged him. Drew Bledsoe went down, Tom Brady came in, marched down, Pats won Super Bowl, and next thing you know, he's the talk of the generations. Not the talk of the city, but the talk of generations. We Now we're looking up, we're like, this is not just the greatest quarterback of all time, but this is the greatest NFL player of all time, and you got the greatest head coach of all time, and Bill Belichick saying it too. So, it's... It's been a great story. Um, this is, you know, a real emotional week because we just was up here on the last episode saying goodbye to Ben. Now I'm saying goodbye to Tom, which great careers for both players. Great career by Tom. Thank you for all the memories within the Patriots. Thank you for all the memories, short memories with the Bucks that are unforgettable. Thank you for just being the dominant player that, you know, even when you tried to ignore, you couldn't. Um, for being your authentic self, for being such a great sport, even when you didn't have to be. You could have been the most arrogant jackass anyone ever met because there's really nothing anyone could have done, done about it. But, it's, I mean, facts are the facts. But, yes, great career, Tom. Good luck with your businesses with your social media page, within family, being a great father figure, and the same thing I said to Ben last week, I'm saying to you, see you in Canton in 2027. Great career. Welcome to the final segment of the Mike Bomb Podcast. This is your host, May Shayla. I am now in the final moments where I will be talking about the recap of the story of former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores, one being fired from the Dolphins in less than 24 hours after the 2021 NFL regular season have concluded, and him now coming out, filing a lawsuit against several NFL teams or the NFL in general due to claims of racism within the hiring process of the NFL. Um, using the Rooney rule to his advantage in this lawsuit, and rightfully so, because the Rooney rule obviously enforces all people who was, you know, qualified for the job, for head coaching jobs to receive an opportunity to be hired regardless of their skin tone, racial background, looks, etc. 
you know, they can no longer be discriminated against. But by due to Mr. Flores's claims of racism, a lot of NFL teams has been going around that within the hiring process. Obviously mentioning the New York Giants, mentioning the Miami, obviously the Miami Dolphins is another one because it's like, why would he even, why would you even fire him anyway when he's 24 and 25 as a head coach? You know, bringing the Dolphins back to relevancy, obviously being a coach that all players on the Dolphins would, you know, love to play for. They play for him. Dolphin players have came out and have stated they're not happy with the firing. Miami, though, is a you know city that's been known to be racist. So that gives Mr. Flores the ground to stand on because why was he fired? Um, claiming that he got unfair advantages from organizations like the New York Giants, which is rightfully so, because people like Stephen A., Dominique, many others on ESPN already, you know, came with some legitimate facts that there's not ever been a black head coach for the New York Giants. And you had a great candidate like Brian Flores, who I think many Giant fans would have preferred um, to be their to be the next head coach to replace Joe Judge, and yet was not. And it's crazy that he wasn't even considered. Rumor is that he hasn't even been brought in for an interview. And then you got the Denver Broncos, who's pretty much in the same boat as the Giants, with obviously John Elway now speaking on the lawsuit, calling his claims false and defamatory, but Um, here's where I add my personal takes. This lawsuit by Mr. Flores is a lawsuit that was long overdue, especially now that you got former Cleveland Browns head coach who was fired, Hugh Jackson, coming out pretty saying that he was forced to tank and was forced to apparently go 0-16 so they can get their hands on Baker Mayfield who now many Browns fans are questioning as their next QB, as their, you know, as the Q, as the quarterback of the future. Some of them wanting them to trade for a veteran. Others wanting them to go back in the draft and redraft another quarterback, etc. This lawsuit by Mr. Flores was long overdue because everyone saw it coming from a mile away. Everyone's, you know, you know, or should have saw this coming due to there being seven NFL coaching jo- head coaching jobs available. Five of them has been filled already. None of them has been filled by Brian Flores. And when you have the impact on players that Brian Flores have, and you have the resume already that he has as a head coach, even in a short period of time, You know, let's not forget that he did just have the Dolphins in the playoffs or in playoff contention or had a playoff spot not too long ago. And he pretty much was only like a few more pieces away from putting the Miami Dolphins back in the conversation within the AFC and possibly having a say in the AFC, what I mean, the AFC East division. And a massive win against the New England Patriots at home in Miami to now being fired the next day. And with no explanation from the Dolphins or no legitimate reason from the Dolphins why, why wasn't he not bought in by the Denver Broncos? Why was he not bought in by the New York Giants? Um, The Chicago Bears is another organization I think he should have been bought in by because them firing Coach McNaggy they're looking for one. It's like, what's up? Why is this dude not getting a job? Why does he not have a job right now? Because if you're not, okay, Jim Harbaugh announced that he's not leaving Michigan for an NFL job. He's staying where he's at, rightfully so, because the Wolverines are in the boat to run the Big Ten. I don't think that's going to last long. You know, my Buckeyes will be back for it. But Here's the reality about the Flores situation. 
How many times have we watched in NFL history that the black man gets thrown under the bus? Whether it's a player, a coach, executive, general manager, has there even been a black general manager? That's a good that's actually a wow, I don't I don't even recall it being that. Vice president, etc. How many times in sports have the black man got thrown under the bus? Especially athletes and coaches. I mean, you got to think about it. And I'm not the type to pull the race card in every situation, but this situation you have to because this is what it's about. It's about race. It's about the fact that we have all these head coaching jobs available. We have 32 teams, and there's only one black coach left in the NFL as of right now, and that's Mike Tomlin for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who now some people are hollering to move on from him, even when Pittsburgh was just in the playoffs with the worst offensive, you know, performances over the years, damn near 20 years. Obviously, not being Ben's fault, not being Najee's fault. Everyone, if you listen to my recent podcasts, then you know exactly who I'm blaming for that. But that's another topic for another day. Um, you got to think about all of these things. Like, how are we in 2022 now? And there's only one African-American or black head coach in coaching positions as a head coach in the National Football League. With all of this promotion about social injustice, all of this about racial unity, um, diversity, things like that. But you look around, vice presidents, owners, general managers, now coaches, I can't give you not one black owner, not one black vice president, not one African-American or black general manager, and I can only give you one black head coach. And if the Steelers were not my team, I would have had to think about that because it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And then you got people like Hugh Jackson pretty much standing up, backing them up. Now you got people questioning, you know, uh, the Marvin Lewis situation. Was this a setup the whole time to take to to do whatever, you know, now you don't, now people are trying to throw the bangles in the middle of it, even though Zach Taylor to me has been a done a great job, he's obviously coach of the year, no question, um, it would actually be some utter bullshit if he does not win coach of the year, because that dude, the way he transformed that team is just sensational, and I'm a Steelers fan, and it pains me to say that, but you gotta give props where it's due. He changed that team. Now, will it stay that way? Uh, I got my questions about that. But we're not talking about the future. We're talking about right now. Coach of the year, Zach Taylor. But back to the basis for Brian Flores. This man deserves a job. This man deserves a job. Like, this is literally 99% of the league right now are Caucasian or white NFL head coaches. And it's like, you're telling, you know, your black fans that because of their race, you know, what the NFL is possibly showing their African-American or black fans is this right here or their minority fans. Because there's only one Hispanic head coach in the league, and that's Ron Rivera. So, okay. Out of 32 coaching jobs in the league, head coaching jobs, correct me, there's only a combined of two minority race head coaches. Ron Rivera for the Washington Commanders right now and Mike Tomlin for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ron Rivera, Hispanic, Mike Tomlin, Black. Outside of that, that's at least now because there's two head coaching jobs available. So that will be out of the remaining 
2018s because these two have minorities. So out of the remaining 2018s left, because there's two vacant positions right now in head coaches. Um, so out of 28 to 29 remaining teams, um, your head, this, you know, are Caucasian, which is the com, which some people would call in jobs hiring process the common race. It's 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 crazy, it's crazy, and you know, what's crazy about minorities getting jobs is they just have to be in the right place at the right time. Obviously, people with the wrong mentality, but for the benefit of them. It's just crazy that you know. In order for minorities to get a job, they got to think about it like that, and everyone has to be on board. Because if you think about it, they think about the best candidate. It's sad because of their race; they're not going to be they're not going to be picked as that. And Brian Flores, he's got a ground to stand on. And the fact that the Miami Dolphins owner now is speaking out against claims that Brian Flores made in his lawsuit that they wanted him to tank this season or the previous year, you know, for a better spot in the NFL draft. I don't like that because here's the deal. It's illegal to tank. Technically, it's illegal to tank. It's illegal to throw games away. You can not only lose ownership of the team, you can lose ownership. You can lose your jobs as well to anyone who else knew about it and was on board with it. And they were offering him a hundred thousand dollars. That means one hundred K just to pretty much throw away the season. You cannot do that if you're the Miami Dolphins. Like that's illegal to do. That's illegal to do because it's like you're telling them to throw the whole season away. You're telling them to pretty much just say, oh, yeah, because we want a higher draft pick, we're going to pay you off to lead your team to suck. Like, and I don't think that's a good idea because here's the deal about the draft. And here's why it's so risky and why this and gambling has so much in common. And it's because the fact that it comes with risk, you know? A guy that could be so high on the prospects could suck in the NFL. It could lead to being a bust. Buses exist, and the most common buses are in the first round and usually are top 10 picks in the first round. So if that's what you wanted Mr. Flores to tank for, congratulations. You, you're probably leading to a potential bust when it comes to tanking. That's not a good thing. You don't always have to tank. And the Dolphins has always been a team that's been well-talented, just badly coached. I really, if I'm, I agree with a lot of people when I say this, when they say this, that if these claims turn out to be true, the Miami Dolphins need to find a team, find a new team owner, because that is not an owner that any minority player or any player who actually are with the minorities will want to go and play for. Because it's like, okay, let's throw our season away, so let's waste a year of our primes for for a draft pick, a draft pick that could lead to a potential bust. That's what you pretty much try to. Feed $100,000 to a man, to a black man to do. Knowing good and damn well, because of his race, he's not really welcomed. Because let's face it, there's a lot of racist NFL fans around here. Then, you got to think about it. Miami's kind of racist, as it is. Let's get real here, they kind of are. Um, They have their preferences. Then you got to think about the players, you're wasting your current players' prime years for a draft pick. It's like, okay, play your best in the season, and where you land is where you land. But you cannot chastise somebody else's season because you guys want a higher draft pick, 
and then the, the guy winds up being the bus, who's going to get blamed for that? The guy who got paid $100,000 to throw away the damn season and refused to, and that's probably what led to him getting fired? If, if it didn't, or if the reasons are not out in the open just yet, I don't believe a dare word the Miami Dolphins player, the, the Miami Dolphins owner say. And I'm going to tell you why I don't believe it. Because why would he lie about that? Why would he lie about the amount that he was paid and the reason he was paid it? Due to what we've been seeing from teams throughout the years when it comes to tanking, why would that man, out of all men who know he got everybody and their grandmother, even those who are with, who are not a minority, who agree with the minority behind him, why would he lie about that? This is going to be a real interesting story. This is actually not even the beginning of it, but there's not enough time to cover it. This is all that was brought out today. I just wanted to share my personal thoughts. Thank you to you all who is watching, who is listening to this episode. There will be more available for you next week. Thank you. Have a nice day. Stay blessed. And I'm out. Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast, the podcast where the bombs get thrown. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode. This is your host, May Shayla, exiting it out. But before I do, I would like to take the time to thank everyone who has subscribed, followed, and listened to the podcast and for your support throughout this whole series. If you are interested in getting more news and updates about the podcast, such as news episodes and seasons, you can now subscribe and follow the podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Thank you for your support and see you next episode. Like he's never got time Like a design is written in his head every time Before he even touches a key Or speaks in a rhyme And those motherfuckers he runs with the kids that he signed Ridiculous, without even trying How do they do it? This is 10% luck, 20% skill 15% concentrated power of will 5% pleasure, 15% 